0: K-A-L-W.
1: What just happened? Free agency opened Sunday afternoon, allowing players without contracts to talk with other teams. And suddenly, everything changed. Within a minute, literally, Kevin Durant announced on Instagram that he's planning on leaving the Golden State Warriors to join the Brooklyn Nets. The man named NBA Finals MVP twice who blew his Achilles tendon three weeks earlier, who the Dubs wanted to sign to a five-year contract worth more than $200 million, he's gone. And the sports world went off on the Dubs' run being over. Yes, it is, but they don't believe so. These dynasties never last as long as we think. I don't think the dynasty is over if you mean by dynasty that the same nucleus will win another champion. We know they're losing Kevin Durant to the Nets, but they're not sitting on their hands, they're not throwing in the towel not throwing in the towel. In fact, they picked up another All-Star before the day was over. Guard D'Angelo Russell. And then, everybody responded to that. D'Angelo Russell, who... This doesn't seem to fit in what they're going to try and build for the future. But they, they could deal him by the trade deadline if yes. they felt like Clay's on yeah. his way back. Right, because the Warriors dropped a bunch more money on injured splash brother Clay Thompson, which meant they had to let go of their other Finals MVP, Andre Iguodala.
0: I, I think that the Warriors did a tremendous job to salvage a situation. Everybody's bailing on the Warriors.
1: Trust smart. Smart always overtime wins. I still think the Warriors are a top 4 or 5 team in the NBA.
0: I'm not even ruling them making a run in the playoffs next year because Clay
2: you they will or won't. I think
0: they, they could. Well yeah. Because Clay will be back they, and Draymond will be there. Yeah. I don't, I don't I'm think a little anyone's bit worried about their to team.
2: make the playoffs.
0: But, but, Greeny, I'm going to be make a bold prediction here. This group
1: will not make the playoffs next year. A deep one. I, yeah. I mean,
2: I mean I'm out not really about
0: to make the conference finals, yeah. uh, But depending on how everything goes.
1: That is a lot of talk. And there's still three months to go until the preseason. Time to turn down the noise, catch our breath, and think about the bigger picture beyond basketball. Yeah. This is Bounce, the Warriors' last season in Oakland. I'm Ben Trepney. Oakland has given the Golden State Warriors lots of love over the years. The team returned that love in various ways to the town. The Warriors Community Foundation launched in 2012, and since then, it's donated over $10 million to nonprofits in Alameda and San Francisco counties. As the team packs up and moves to the other side of the Bay Bridge, some wonder if they'll take their charitable dollars with them. Janae Darden reports.
2: It's an hour before lunch at the Unity Council's Early Head Start program. Toddlers are sitting around a table molding their Play Doh into dinosaurs. I join in on the fun. <laughs> this Head Start site is one of five in Oakland run by the Unity Council, a nonprofit in the Fruitvale District. These programs prepare 500 kids for kindergarten and provide free childcare services for families in poverty. The center is in the same plaza as the Fruitvale BART station, literally one stop from where the Dubs play. Well, used to play. Guess who gave the Unity Council a grant for their Head Start programs?
0: Oh yeah, Warriors. Oh
2: yeah. That's good enough for me. Yep, the Warriors Community Foundation. Rosie Hara is a manager here. She says over the past three years, the Warriors Foundation has given $100,000 to their programs.
3: Although we receive federal and state funding, that does not cover the full cost of a child. So we do fundraise outside to be able to provide comprehensive services such as mental health, um, dental exams, nutrition workshops, and other services for the families.
2: And she says the grant pays for school supplies, including that Play-Doh. The Warriors Foundation focuses on youth and education causes. One reason is that Nicole Lakup, the foundation's board president and wife of owner Joe Lakeup, was a school teacher. Hannah's colleague, Dana Klein Hesselink works on securing money from philanthropic sources for the Unity Council.
0: So, the Warriors, they've been really amazing at not just contributing cash donations that really are critical for our program success, but they've been really connecting our community, our clients, our staff with other opportunities. Their staff got to
2: be in the Warriors' 2018 Championship Victory Parade. The team invited teenagers from Unity Council's other programs to a Christmas Day game and the players gifted each
0: kid a laptop. The player actually gave it to the young person. The
2: Unity Council is waiting to hear back about their grant application status for next year. But this year, the Dubs awarded them 35 grand. Although it costs millions to run this program, they say losing the Warriors donation could impact the kids and families they serve. Are you concerned that when they move, they're gonna take away some of the money?
0: I'm I'm not very concerned that they're going to take away some of the money. They've really indicated to us that, although they are moving across the Bay physically, they're really going to try and keep their philanthropic support spread evenly across the Bay Area.
2: But what she's concerned about for the kids is what a lot of East Bay fans are concerned about – transportation to the game.
0: We have transportation issues at the Coliseum, let alone someplace where BART doesn't go.
2: Well, BART does go to the Warriors' current headquarters in downtown Oakland. I meet Melanie Moore, the foundation's new executive director. I ask her what's going to happen to this space when they move.
3: In fact, we're not leaving it at all. So right now um, we're at the Oakland practice
2: facility. The headquarters has two floors. The first floor is where the team practices and the second floor has offices. They have big plans for this place.
3: As the team moves to Chase Center in the fall, this space will actually be remodeled. So the downstairs practice facility will turn into just an absolute state of the art basketball camps facility um, with all kinds of technology around keeping stats and helping young players get better.
2: The foundation is partnering with Kaiser and renaming the headquarters Generation Thrive. The healthcare organization contributed $5 million as an initial investment on the project. Upstairs on Moore's office wall is the draft of a floor plan for the second level.
3: We're actually going to be remodeling the space to turn it into a nonprofit accelerator. And so we know that a lot of nonprofits in the East Bay, in particular, um, but also in San Francisco, um, are getting displaced just like a lot of families are getting displaced through high rents.
2: This level would look like a modern office floor plan with an open kitchen and some meeting rooms and offices, even a wellness space for nonprofits.
3: You may have been to the Impact Hub in Uptown Oakland, and so imagine a space like that, that is focused around collaboration. So maybe you need to focus on Financial Sustainability 101, develop your board, maybe you need to develop your youth program to take it to the next level. We'll provide space, organizational consulting, um, opportunities for you know connecting with other nonprofits that are gonna help you do that.
2: But it's an accelerator program, more like a residency. Nonprofits can only stay temporarily, so it's not really a permanent solution for expensive office rents, but they'll be providing nonprofits with resources to help them grow.
3: What are best practices? So um, one thing we've heard is that, say, a three-month residency, too short. A year, maybe that's about right. So when I say six months, it's really, you know, at this point we're designing and we haven't tested yet.
2: Moore says the Warriors Foundation has worked its way up to giving $1.5 million a year since it started. That doesn't sound like much for a franchise that according to Forbes is worth $3.5 billion, the third most valuable in the NBA. Moore says the foundation is separate from the Warriors Corporation and their finances are distinct.
3: So that $1.5 will continue to grow. So as we move to Chase Center and we continue to do more and more fundraising.
2: They want to give more, but will they still support Oakland nonprofits?
3: It is a worry that I know a lot of people have, and we hear that, you know, voiced. We've always had the both sides of the Bay focus because we are the Bay's team, and and we want to support organizations in the Western Edition as well as in the Tenderloin, as well as in East Oakland and West Oakland and the Fruitvale,
2: etc. Moore says they've kept the donations between Alameda County and San Francisco pretty even every year. But if you look at the graph on the foundation's website, Alameda County causes have received nearly $1.6 million more than San Francisco during the foundation's existence. Is that going to change to the the percentages of the distribution? Will it be more San Francisco-focused since you'll be there? I know that there hasn't been any
3: specific formula that we've been trying to follow, so I don't think that you're going to see a percentage shift, per se. Um, We'd love to get to know nonprofits in San Francisco as well as we know a lot of the nonprofits in the East Bay.
2: And there are plans in store for San Francisco nonprofits, including a Generation Thrive at the Chase Center.
3: So outside of Chase Center, that whole area around the arena is called Thrive City. And at Thrive City, we're going to have a couple of storefronts that are Generation Thrive in San Francisco. Those spaces are not going to be office spaces per se, but they would be small event spaces for nonprofits. The
2: way we wash our hands,
0: wash our hands.
2: Back at the Head Start in East Oakland, the kids are cleaning up for lunch and then a nap. I think about when I was a kid growing up in this neighborhood with three professional sports teams just 10 minutes away. And on a whim, my family would go to the Coliseum for a game because it was close and affordable. These kids won't have that experience. I knew having that access was special, but now that it's gone, I have a deeper appreciation for what we had.
1: That's Janae Darden. Thanks for listening to Bounce, the Warriors' last season in Oakland. Next time, we're gonna close out the run. We've got a conversation with a Warriors fan from East Oakland who went on to become a national sports writer covering the Doves. So It was just a part of Oakland, like burrito trucks and sideshows, right, and the Raiders. It was just always a part of our culture and life growing up. You don't really start thinking about that stuff until it's like about to leave or leaving, right, until it's ready to depart. Marcus Thompson from The Athletic talking about life in East Oakland with and without the Warriors. You'll definitely want to hear the final episode of Bounce. Yeah. This podcast is a production of KALW Public Radio. Our theme music was made by Daud Anthony. Artwork is by David Boyer with Illuminaries. And David edited today's story as well. The rest of our team includes Shereen Adel and Gabe Graben. I'm Ben Trefney. Back, when Michael Jordan came back to the Bulls and they had added Tony Kukoc, who was like the best of us, yes, yes, and they okay. had already added Tony Kukoc, and they needed to replace essentially Horace Grant, who served that power forward role in the first repeat, and they did right. it with Dennis Rodman, who might be the
0: greatest
2: defender top defense in the history of the NBA, Stop. and then Stop they right games. Stop That's right different.
0: there. Stop right there. Stop right Stop. Stop. Stop.